Hello, this is Brian Croft. I'm the senior pastor of Auburndale Baptist Church in Louisville, Kentucky, and I'm also the founder of Practical Shepherding. A few years ago, I started a blog about the daily work of a pastor, and that blog has grown into the various ministries of Practical Shepherding. We want to come alongside pastors who are laboring in the trenches of pastoral ministry to encourage and to equip them. And that's why we started this podcast, Trench Talk. So we hope this podcast encourages you and your church as we continue our conversation about the pastor's work. To find out more about Practical Shepherding, visit our website at practicalshepherding.com or you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Hello and welcome to a special holiday edition of Trench Talk. Trench Talk is a podcast produced by Practical Shepherding and we're about the business of helping pastors think through the practical details of their week-in and week-out work in the church. So if you've listened to any of the past episodes, which I'd encourage you to do, uh, you'll hear us talk about things about training uh, new pastors for the ministry. Uh, We talk about service review, service planning, all these kinds of things. And today, I'm sitting here with Brian Croft, who is uh, the president of Practical Shepherding. He's the pastor of Auburn Baptist Church. And we are going to talk about how pastors think through how to lead their church through specific holidays. Uh, my name is Josh Sher. I'm the host of this podcast, and I serve uh, as a pastor here alongside Brian Croft at Auburn Baptist Church. And so what I want to do, Brian, is I want to go through a calendar year, and I am going to list uh, various holidays that would come up throughout the year. And I want to ask you to comment on them. Share some of your experience, tell stories that you think would be helpful. And what, what I want us to, to hear from you is I want us to hear like how you think through as a pastor, how do you lead a church, lead our church, uh, through these specific holidays, and what advice would you give to any pastors who would be listening about how they might consider leading their church? All right? Mm-hmm. Those are some of the rules. Sounds good. All right, so we're going to start with the very first day of the year. Uh, January 1st. So like thinking about New Year's, the Sunday around New Year's, what do you do? Do you do anything special for that? One thing that comes to mind that I've done uh, quite a bit through the years is a lot of times I'll I'll do the first Sunday of January, I will do a one-off sermon before I jump back into a book because we're usually in an incarnation series in December. And so the first Sunday in January, a lot of times I'll preach kind of a first of the year type sermon, and I pick different things to do with that. The thing that I've done most often is preach a sermon like James 4, where he's he's describing that, you know, that only if the Lord wills will you do this or do that. You know, you don't, you don't have tomorrow, all you have is today. And that's just a, a good way to start thinking about the, you know, the new year. So that sermon sticks out. I've preached that text several times through the years. I think it just kind of sets people in a good place to think about how to approach how to approach the year, and then that usually marks when I will jump into a a book series or jump back into a book series and go into the new year as far as a preaching schedule. All right. So um, the third Sunday of the year is uh, Sanctity of Life Sunday. So this year it's going to be January seventeenth in twenty sixteen. Uh, what do you do for that Sunday? For a long time, I did nothing. So. And I actually have one of my dear friends who's a pastor and really feels strongly about this particular day um, who lovingly chastised me over not doing anything about it. And he preached, he preaches on Sanctity of Life every, 
every year on this particular day. And he convinced me that I needed to be doing more. Uh, I've had to grow. I, I really stayed away from politics and political issues and things, even when there are things that obviously Christians should have deep convictions about. Early in my ministry, I didn't do much with that at all, and to my to a fault. So I think in the last several years, I've tried to I've tried to to swing back to the middle on that. So we'll do anything from preaching a sermon that might be tied to that, but we will at least spend time in the service uh, praying for um, pro life organizations, you know, praying and asking God to abolish you know abortion and and different things. So we will at least do that. And I'm not sure what we're going to do this in, in a couple of weeks when that Sunday hits or next month. But um, I think it's good for I'm coming back around that it's good for people to be preaching or pastors to be preaching on that particular day on that topic and raise awareness. Uh, so the next several holidays are going to fall into categories. I mean, not every holiday falls on a Sunday, but there are several holidays that would come up that are, you know, come in the coming week. Um, and so I want to list some of those now that come next. Uh, Martin Luther King Day. Yeah. Another day, I think, um, similar to the to the Sanctity of Life Sunday, a day I didn't do a whole lot with, and I'm doing more focus on just issues like racial reconciliation. And these are opportunities to bring awareness to the church on issues and the way that Christians should be thinking about them. And I just I just got a bad taste in my mouth when when I felt like too much when politics would would just be thrust into the uh, the conversation. I just want to kind of stick to the Bible and stick to Scripture, but I I use that as a way to hide from dealing with issues like uh, in a way that we should. So Martin Luther King Day, I think, is a similar day to uh, to celebrate rec- racial reconciliation. Be mindful of those things in the church. So I want to. I pretty much try to approach it the same way as Sanctity of Life. Yeah. And it seems like maybe depending on where your church is located, that that would be an especially important day to be mindful of issues that are related to your community. Yeah. or even just national issues that are in the news that everybody's watching, all members are watching, and it's an opportunity to address that from the pulpit. We're predominantly a white church, but we're more diverse now than we ever have been. And so there's different there, there's there's different uh, races, ethnicities in, in our church that, um, that make this a good time to talk about these things and still challenge a predominantly white church to be mindful of. Uh, I mean, when I came to this church, uh, there was a lot of um, coming to our church. There's a lot of um, racial tensions that existed there, and um, so I'm mindful as I think about wanting to needing to talk about these things. And our church is at a very different place, but historically it was a very classic white Southern Baptist church that uh, specifically would would um, be pretty prejudiced towards African Americans coming into the church. Uh, next holiday on the calendar, February fourteenth. Valentine's Day. Oh man. Well, from a pastor's standpoint, I don't think I do anything for it. <laughs> but I do make a note to make sure I do something for my wife. Um, as I'll take her to dinner either the night before or after because I despise going out to dinner on Valentine's Day because it's a zoo. Like it doesn't matter. I, w- I won't wait two hours to eat anywhere. It doesn't matter where it is. So it's a zoo to try to go out on that. On those on that particular day, so I'll do some with my wife that week, and and she uh, agrees with that assessment. The other thing that I do on Valentine's on the day is I have three daughters, so I got into the habit of I I I take usually flowers and candy to my wife of some kind, 
And whatever I bring to my wife, when my girls were little, I started bringing each of all three of them something just like I'd give their mom, but on a much smaller scale. So I was still bringing them something for Valentine's Day, but it reminded them that their mom's still the most important. And I, I started that when the girls were little, and I've done that every year since to where they expect it now, which I'm not sure is good, but nonetheless, trying to establish the way I want them to, I want them to, I want them to go into the a marriage uh, expecting to be cherished by their husband. That's right, charming as ever, Brian. Uh, a couple of days after that, President's Day, doing anything for that? Can't say that I do. Uh, a couple of days after that, Ash Wednesday. Yeah, not real. No, I mean, nothing. Nothing comes to mind as far as I don't. I don't feel like I have to do something out of the ordinary as a pastor for our church on that day. Uh, in March, St. Patrick's Day. I could care less about wearing green, <laughs> and do not wear a green tie that week into the church. So yeah, I. But um, but yeah, it's kind of. I mean, it's a fun thing to kind of do stuff with the family, but nothing I can say with the church. Yeah. I think I was teaching a Sunday school lesson one time to our adult class. And I, it was St. Patrick's Day, and I talked a little bit about St. Patrick as a missionary. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's a good church history figure. To yeah, perish. and because of that, maybe it's something I should focus more on as a pastor. But yeah, I don't know. That's I, why we're doing I, this. I just don't. I That's just don't. Right. Feel free to write me and take that up with me if you want. <laughs> All right. Later in the month, uh, Palm Sunday. Do anything out of the ordinary for Palm Sunday, or is it <clears throat> trucking along like usual? Well, so I'll usually all from... Um, the first day of January, the first Sunday, that second Sunday after New Year's, uh, that I doing like a New Year's sermon, I will preach a book consistently all the way up to Palm Sunday. And Palm Sunday and Easter Sunday are two weeks that I take off and I go and I preach on the cross and the resurrection. And I've done a variety of things, but I particularly, I go off topic there or off the book there it's just the habit I've gotten into. It's a good break from plugging away for a good three months in a book. And Palm Sunday and Easter Sunday are usually the Sundays where a lot of guests will come, unbelievers, staying with the continuity of a book of the Bible isn't as important to me in that moment. So, um, but definitely we'll preach, you know, things revolving around what, we, what we're considering on Palm Sunday and then that week and leading up to Easter. Anything on Good Friday? You know, we really haven't done anything as a church on Good Friday um, and I'm not, I'm not opposed to it at all. It's just kind of one of those things. It's another thing to add to the calendar. It's not traditional in our church. I actually enjoy Good Friday services. I mean, I've gone to others that are in the area. But I don't, I really, you know, I've always tried to focus on Palm Sunday and Easter Sunday and not much, do much with Good Friday. Uh, then Easter Sunday. Yeah. What's going on then? Yeah, so just make sure we always preach some on the resurrection. I mean, just really... Really traditional in that way. I just I just want to make sure the resurrection's preached and just pick a a text that goes well with. It. A lot of times, Palm Sunday, Easter Sunday, we'll we'll pick two texts that work together uh, in the way that Palm Sunday and Easter Sunday work. Those two Sundays have also been times in the last several years where, as we went to a plurality of pastors, some of the other pastors, I even let them preach Easter Sunday because that's usually a lot of times where there's a lot of guests and. It's traditionally the time where like the, the the pastor preaches on Easter about the resurrection and one of the efforts I was trying to make to put the pastors in in front of the congregation and, and commend them to the congregation when we went that way is actually gave them some of those key Sundays to actually preach instead of me. Mm. And we also make sure to have a trumpet player 
play during the Easter service. Yeah, not every time, but yeah, a lot of times we, we brother, do. We have up, a brother in our church. Who we do. Trumpet. Yeah, we should sing Christ Lord Risen today on more Sundays than just Easter Sunday, but it seems to always come out that day. So, yeah. uh, shortly after that, uh, Mother's Day. What do you do uh, for Mother's Day? Wow, Mother's Day. So I heard a wise man once say, "You can, you can mess up." Your wife's birthday, you can mess up a lot of different holidays, but you do not mess up Mother's Day. And um, I think that's been hammered in my mind pretty good. And so we actually... We're listening carefully. Yes, we we do quite a bit on Mother's Day as far as in the the service. I still usually stay with whatever book I'm preaching through for the most part. But we have at a time, at time gone off and done something that's more focused on Mother's Day. But we will we will spend the Sunday praying for moms and acknowledging them, and we just go overboard with that. Just because I think I think being a mother is just such a thankless job. So much of the year, it's a good opportunity for the church to celebrate them, and we do the same thing for Father's Day in a similar way. But yeah, Mother's Day is a, a, a great opportunity to really honor the women in our church and the, the moms who are there. The other thing that comes to mind is. Mother's Day is one of those, one with a few other holidays that we're really quick to celebrate in a service. And one of the things I've tried to be mindful of for years now is that Mother's Day, a lot of times, is is, is just a painful day for a lot of women, as much as it's maybe celebrating their mother. Mother's gone; they can't celebrate and miss her. Had a terrible relationship with their mother. Someone's their kids are you know they're separated from them. They don't have a good relationship with. Mother's Day can be one of the most painful days. And so it's a good opportunity to kind of capture the sorrow and grief that may be existing in ladies' hearts and others. Who, I mean, even men thinking about their own moms. So um, it actually can be a day to celebrate moms in the congregation. It also can be a great day to, to be sensitive and care for hurting people. Um, somebody's mom can trigger all kinds of things, and that's a great thing to try to capitalize on as a pastor to try to care for yeah so we're about halfway through the calendar year so i want to slow down just a little bit here and ask like so what specifically are you doing in the service are you preaching a sermon about you know something related to mothers are you saying something before the service even starts um is there a special prayer for mothers like like i'm kind of giving away the ghost Mm -hmm. here with some of these examples but like just talk us through like some of those things one of the things we'll do is we'll have you know, we'll have. Well, I'll ask in the beginning of the service, which is when our announcements happen, and those kind of things. I will ask beginning of the service. I'll ask mo- anybody who's a mother to stand. And um, you know, in our church, it's been significant because we're always having either new moms that are there. It's their first Mother's Day. There's women who have miscarried. They were in the congregation, um, and there's people who have lost their moms that that year. So. We usually acknowledge moms, and I will stand up as I mean, as the as the senior pastor, and I will stand up and and try to speak a word of a blessing to these women in front of the whole church, and be real thoughtful about that. And I think that that acts. I mean, it's one thing to be able to pray for moms, but when we stand up and in a sense, I try to say the the words of blessing that you would think any woman who's a mother would want to hear from maybe another man. And I try to be mindful to say what those things are. And I think that's one of the most significant moments for the for a lot of these women, especially because I will also be the one to acknowledge this may be a hard day for you. And if you don't do that, this day can be really difficult at church. And so I just want to stress to pastors who, who if they choose to do something like this, to really acknowledge this is a 
This you just look at these ladies' faces and say, "This may be a really hard day for you," and that's okay. We're, you're where we want you to be, and we love you, and we want to be here for you, and we want to be your family. And to remind ladies, it's okay to grieve over the law, the sorrows, just as much as celebrating the the joy. So we set the the tone for that, and that leads into praying for moms, and that leads into maybe, you know, potentially. There's usually try to work applications in my sermon, maybe, or at least one directly towards mom on Mother's Day. So not crafting a whole sermon about it most most of the time, but trying to apply it from the text. Yeah. All right. Uh, the beginning of the summer season, Memorial Day. What are you doing for Memorial Day? Well, so I, w- I was a miserable failure in the first few years of pastoring this church in that I came into a really typical SBC church that had a lot of veterans and being a veteran was a very big deal and celebrated uh, in so many different ways. The problem is I came to this church with a lot of baggage. The church I came out of, in my opinion, put way too much focus on um, the God and country way of approaching services. And that really left a bad taste in my mouth. The problem is I overreacted the other way. And I really did some harm in those opening years by not recognizing. This doesn't mean you shouldn't and can't recognize, you know, veterans in the service. So the first few years, you know, I got a lot of grief, but I I deserved it in some ways from people. And Veterans Day or Memorial Day was was one of those days to to acknowledge that. And over time, uh, I learned how to try to incorporate in a way that I think is honoring to the Lord. And a good time to recognize folks. So we'll begin in the service. We'll stand and ask veterans to stand and um, and thank them for their service. And obviously, the church loves to that. It's just kind of wired to do that it's the way it's always been. But I noticed something even in this la- last year when we did, we had everybody stand. I looked around. I saw people standing who were serving in the military who had at one time, and there were four different generations in our church rep- standing represented. I just acknowledged. Not only these people serve our country. I mean, look at the there was these. It showed the generational diversity. It just was struck by in that moment, and that ended up being a very encouraging thing. It didn't have anything to do with military, even, but just showing how these different people have served and how that has continued to pass on, which is a big deal to veterans. So, a similar way, then we'll we'll pray for veterans. We'll pray for our leaders. We'll pray for our our military. But we have to. We've realized we have to be a little more cautious about that now and how we approach that. Because we have international refugees who are in our church now, so when we have we have people who are coming from um, closed countries that don't, I mean, didn't have a concept of a free nation with that would honor their military and the way that Americans and certainly SBC churches are prone to do. So we need to be mindful of those who maybe won't get this at all, and we do it in a way that helps them understand. But Memorial Day is is a time to. I've learned how to balance that. And just had some good folks speaking to my life and the kind of the knuckleheaded decisions I made in the early years. So those knuckleheaded decisions, did that? What did that look like? Did you just do nothing? Did you just pretend like it was any other Sunday? So yeah, for the most part, um, I would. Um, we would just plan the service and act like it, like we didn't even acknowledge it, yeah. which is just really dumb and unwise. Because whether you like it or not, even as a pastor, if you want to have this conviction, hey, you know, we're here to, you know. Be Christians, focus on Jesus. We're not Americans gathering here and all this. And the reality is, yes, we are. 
And we were able to gather without fear of persecution because we're in America meeting in this church and we have the freedom to do that. Um, we don't need to make that an idol in our service, but we need to we need to acknowledge that. One of our one of the guys who prays in our church often, every time he prays, he'll pray that he thanks God that we're able to meet free of persecution. And that's a guy who works with the persecuted church a lot. So those are good things to acknowledge. And God has used, you know, our military uh, to provide that freedom through the, the, the centuries. And it's a good thing to recognize. And I've found you can do that and still make Jesus the centerpiece of the whole service and what your sermon's about and all those kind of things. I think uh, some guys, and I was one of these guys, so that's why I'm going to knock it, that um, we can get really just grumpy about it. It's just got to be about Jesus and nothing else. And I don't think it has to be all or nothing. I think it can primarily be about Jesus, and we can pastorally make good shepherding decisions that help our people. This is something they care about. You can tell them they shouldn't care about it, but they do. I want to backtrack to something you said just a moment ago that I think is really important. And you said you learned this about Memorial Day. You said that you brought a lot of baggage to this particular holiday and that you overreacted from your experience. What would you say to pastors who maybe they're aware that they're bringing baggage to their ministry or maybe they're not? What would you say to like a pastor who maybe needs to identify that um, and what they should do about it? It all comes down to self-awareness what you've been affected by, and you come into a church and you go, I do not want to do it this way. Or I've seen it done this way, and this is the way I want it done. So the church I came out of was a large church that had this giant musical every, uh, it's actually 4th of July. You haven't got to 4th of July yet, but that's where a lot of my baggage lies. Um, these, uh, this church had this, this, in place of the Sunday morning service, had this giant patriotic musical where Jesus is never even mentioned. And, and I actually am not against patriotic musicals. What I'm against is using patriotic musicals in place of the Sunday morning gathering where we're supposed to worship Jesus. That's what I have a problem with. You want to do a Sunday evening special event or whatever and do a patriotic musical? Go for it. I have absolutely no problem with that. But it's when we're replacing our normal public gathering of, of worship to do that is where I have where I have issues. I came from a church that did that. I was the guy that rate that I was on the headset raising a 50-foot American flag at the end of the biggest moment, one of the songs. little baggage that came with that when I came to this church. So I overreacted a little bit, and that's kind of how I ended up in the place I was in. All right, so uh, let's keep going here. Next on the list, uh, Father's Day. So we've talked a bit about Mother's Day. What, what would be uniquely different about Father's Day? Yeah, uniquely different is that on Mother's Day, I stand up and really want to be, you know, kind of speak in a, in a, with an authority and bless these women in the church and what they do and that they're valuable and they're important. Father's Day is a time for me to stand up and exhort men to lead and be the men, the, the strong men God's called them to be and to serve their families and to serve the church and that the church is going to rise and fall on our leadership. And it, it's almost a time to charge the men to be men and godly men and act and serve Jesus faithfully, lead our families. That's a different charge. I, 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 I don't coddle the men in that moment. It's a time to call them to action as strong men. I'm not doing the same thing for the women. I want to bless them and exhort them and make them feel loved and cherished like they should be all the time. It's a time to kind of do it, you know, in, in that moment, especially those who are, you know, serving as mothers and don't get a lot of um, praise for it. 
Father's Day also, and likewise though, for everybody involved, is people are going to connect with their own father. They're going to connect with being a father potentially. And so you've also got to be mindful of how, I mean, how does how is a woman affected on Father's Day if all we do is just going to celebrate, hey, it's great. If those are fathers, you're great. And a woman was, you know, sexually abused by her father. And she's sitting out there. And all we do is just celebrate how great Father's Day is and how great fathers are. And God's a father. That's harmful, I think, in a major way. And so being a pastor, you got to be sensitive to that and recognize in some ways a father can do even do more damage to somebody, uh, even I mean, even just because of the power and control that a father can harmfully have on a, especially another woman. So we got to, you have to. It's not just about the men. Then you got to be mindful of the women who have been deeply harmed by their fathers, and reminding them that God is is a perfect, loving father in the midst of them maybe having a treacherous father that that horribly treated them. So. Uh, next on the list is uh, July 4th, Independence Day. Maybe in some ways similar to Memorial Day. How is it different? Um, and, yeah, wh- how are you thinking through reading that? Well, the like, thing that not really much different. And, you know, Memorial Day is remembering those who have died in service, um, in a sense. Fourth of July is celebrating our independence. So Memorial, if there's a difference, it would be Memorial Day would maybe be focusing on those who have died in the service of their, of their country, uh, being sensitive to that. People who have lost loved ones in war and things. Fourth of July is celebrating our independence and the things that come with that. Uh, the same patriotic musical type thing. That that's the day where usually it happens the most. That's where that's what sticks out in my mind. So some of the most unpleasant moments in this church for the first few years was on the Fourth of July because I didn't do a patriotic musical, and there were a few people who just just were infuriated with me because of that. Not only that, as I just didn't do, I didn't do anything on those days. But one in particular, there was a woman who... I'm so who, glad you're telling this story. I was going to ask you. <laughs> there's, I had a, a woman, She's she's gone to be with the Lord now. She's a believer, but just did not like me very much. And uh, this was the time that she, I mean, her husband was a vet. And she certainly, uh, like many in I mean, many in her generation, did not make much of a disconnect between being an American and a, and a Christian. Um, and and she just passionately felt like this was important to, to have a 4th of July musical and to have a whole day where you're just celebrating your country. And I tried to have a, a talk with her about it, and it didn't help. It made it worse. So she shows up in my office one Sunday and brings me a, a VHS tape. So this is back in the day still. How where, long ago? What? Yeah, so... Um, I had to find a VCR to try to play the thing. Actually, I didn't have one in my house anymore. She brought me a VHS, and she, she kind of in a snarky way just shoved it at me and said, you watch all of this, and you tell me if that doesn't honor God. And I said, okay, I will. And I sat, I sat with my wife. I remember we found a VCR and hooked it up, sat and watched it, and it was, and it was exactly what I used to experience in the church I came from, only it's only was not as well done as the church that I came from. And so um, it didn't help our conversations very much. But the 4th of July was actually was the Sunday that I dreaded the most because it always set this group of people off that passionately felt like it needed to be a lot more than what I made it. Uh, Next on the list, Labor Day. 
Anything special for Labor Day? We have uh, church gatherings. We kind of have a picnic sometimes. Yeah, that's but, true. That, that's that been uh, encouraging a development through the years. Is For our church life, Labor Day has become a time where somebody in the church usually has a big cookout at their house, and uh, the whole church is invited, you know, Monday to day, or if you want to work it. By the way, as a pastor, I really try to honor taking all the holidays that other people take off work. Hmm. Um. Because it's very easy for a pastor to just work all the time. Mm-hmm. And that's what I would do. And so it takes discipline for me to just acknowledge, you know what, that's a holiday. And, um, you know, the church in, you know, when I came here, I'm supposed to get those days off. There's a plenty I can do and need to do. Yeah. But I've made myself take those days off. My wife has pushed me through the years mm-hmm. to make sure I take those days off. So as these holidays come, I... Any of those days that t- people are typically off of work, I am, I'm pretty diligent now. I wasn't for a long time, but pretty diligent now to make sure I take that off. So, but other than, but we end up having a picnic, obviously, and it's a good time. But um, and most of the church will come out for it, so it's usually a sweet time of fellowship. We don't do any th- service, mm-hmm. and obviously, a lot of people are traveling over the weekend, so that affects what a Sunday's like. Good, moving into the end of the year here, Halloween, or as some know it, Reformation Day. Yeah. So we do a big Reformation Day uh, celebration, as as some some of you all who are listening may know that, because I've posted stuff through the years on it. We um, we've done this for almost ten years now, and it's a thing for the kids. It's a Halloween alternative, but it's also a time to learn about the Reformation. We try to do it on Reformation Day, um, but we want to do it over a weekend, like on a Saturday. So we'll pick the Saturday that's closest to Halloween, and we'll have something on Saturday, and that's usually a really good time for the adults and the kids if you'd like to read more about what brian's talking about with reformation day i'll post links to his articles about this in the show notes on the website Hmm. uh veterans day in november similar to what we do for memorial day yeah you know what what comes to mind is i mean you know veterans day is always like on a tuesday or something i believe and um so there's not a whole lot that we revolve, we don't revolve around Sunday much around it on Sunday, but there is something unique I started doing on Veterans Day that I actually I did again this past this past year or last month. Um, on Veterans Day, I I make it a point to try to contact certain men, older men in the church, typically uh, who 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 are vets and served in the military, so. And it really shows the full circle that's going to happen here in our church and in my heart because I kind of resented it, obviously, in the first few years and didn't care well for these people during that time. And these people obviously got really frustrated with me. As our relationship grew, that's one of the things I've begun to appreciate about these these, pe- these people who served our country. And so um, the man that was really after me in the first several years at the church as a vet and he's a deacon. He's still in our church now. And I call, I, and I do it every year. I call him on Veterans Day, and I did it this past month. And I call only to just say hi and say, you know, I want to say happy Veterans Day to you. I want to thank you for your service to our country and that I get to enjoy the freedoms of this country because of the sacrifices you made, which he had injuries in the war that he fought in the Korean War, actually, and he had injuries he still, he still deals with. And, um, I mean, that has done so much for the, my relationship with this man. It's hard, to, it's hard to describe what that's done. So I started calling other veterans. And so on Veterans Day, I'll sit down for a while and just 
call some of the older men. It's an opportunity for me to reach out to them. I know it's meaningful to them, and it's an opportunity for me to celebrate them in, in an area that's really important to them and something that I didn't acknowledge well in the beginning, so it's been re- redemptive in our relationship. So Thanksgiving's always on a Thursday, but what are, what are you thinking around Thanksgiving season? How are you, you know, how does that impact the life of the church? Yeah. So the one thing that really comes to mind the most with Thanksgiving, by the way, I'm usually preaching through a book all fall. So Thanksgiving Sunday, the Sunday after Thanksgiving, I typically don't travel that, that weekend, but we'll usually begin a one-off, you know, to do, to get ready to go into an incarnation series in December or even start it that day, which is what we did last month. Mm-hmm. So that's usually what, how it's tied as far as the service. But the thing that comes to mind the most as far as our church life with Thanksgiving is that we always try to be mindful. Uh, we really Our church is small enough we're able to do this with, with just a decent amount of effort. We'll try to contact single people. We'll contact people. We figure out who's home and who's not traveling. We'll find out elderly widows who don't have family who are coming to get them or whatever. And we will uh, contact them and try to find a place for them to go. So we'll kind of put one email out and say, hey, who's around and who's willing to take people into your house for Thanksgiving? And then we'll send another email out saying, who's alone? Who doesn't have a place to go? And we've done pretty well through the years of trying to connect people uh, who are who are going to be by themselves in the church. And that's what really what thinks, that's what sticks out the most for Thanksgiving for me, where it's an opportunity to to connect to the widows and the single folks and others who don't have anybody around and allow them in somebody's home. All right. The big one, one of the big ones, uh, the last one for the year that we're going to talk about, Christmas. Mm-hmm. What what do we do for Christmas at our church? We pretty much celebrate Christmas all month in December. So we'll sing a lot of the Christmas songs in the hymnal. Um, there's some great, just theologically rich hymns that um, – that we all know well, but uh, but we'll be mindful to sing in the services. We do an incarnation series. So we preach all month of December, either myself or other pastors, what's happening this month, um, through uh, some kind of series, through a series of texts, you know, four or five texts we'll pick to focus on, you know, the incarnation, to focus on why Jesus came. And there's just so much you can do from things in the Gospels to the way that uh, the 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 epistles are written about it. We're doing uh, four sermons in the God, five sermons in the Gospel of John on why um, why the Father sent the Son, and uh, we're in the middle of that. I'm preaching uh, this Sunday on John six, so um, we we focus on that all month. We we really make a big plea for Lottie Moon people to give to Lottie Moon through December, um, which is when Lottie Moon is most is collected. Which is an offering of the Southern Baptist Convention Off- given to missions. That's right. So it goes to the International Mission Board. It's for the most part the way the IMB is mostly fully funded in their you know whatever hundred and you know fifty million dollar budget. Most of that comes from Southern Baptist churches in December alone in Lottie Moon. So it's a big deal, and we really try to emphasize because it all the money goes directly to um, the the International Mission Board. Um, Christmas is also a time where a lot of people are traveling. And all, most and most of my family lives here, so I historically I've always made it a point we don't travel, but most everybody else does. So in a lot of ways, I I end up feeling like a one man show for a couple weeks in December, uh, the two Sundays that surround Christmas and New Year's, um, which is fine. But but I've made it a point to just know that's going to be my role. So many of you other guys who are traveling and go see family can do that, 
And we we also pretty much shut our calendar down the last two, three, or th- two or three weeks of December just because of all the travel. The other thing that really sticks out that's been very meaningful through the years is we take a group Christmas caroling every year. We go to the shut-ins and the elderly widows and we go sing for them. And that's some of the most, some of my favorite times we've ever had as a church and memories with my family and kids just going around singing to everybody. So. So uh, thank you for going through this list with us, Brian. In a moment, I'll ask if you have any like concluding remarks about holidays in general. One comment that I'll make uh, is as pastors uh, at different points of the year. So like we do this for Christmas, I think, and Thanksgiving and Mother's Day. We just kind of evaluate if it's necessary to have every you know service of the church. So sometimes we'll cancel our evening service and encourage people to spend time with their families, recognizing that people are traveling, people are coming into town. Uh, and so we just evaluate that on a case-by-case basis as pastors thinking about our our church and what's going to be best for them. Uh, Any concluding thoughts or remarks just about pastors thinking about leading their churches in holidays? Yeah, my concluding remarks would be that the Sunday morning gathering of the church is to worship Jesus, to hear his word read and preached and sung, and he's supposed to be the sole focus of Sunday morning, of, of the Sunday service, of our gatherings. Um, that hasn't changed. That conviction always remains. But what pastors need to do is think about how these holidays still impact their people. And ignoring them um, is trying to make your people be something maybe they're not. And so when we don't give any kind, when we just ignore that these holidays exist, when we're in America, I get it in other countries, they don't exist in the same way that they do here. But these holidays mean something to people. It's an opportunity to figure out how to pastorally care for them. It's almost like an opportunity when you go to the funeral home, you, though you may have sat in that person's living room who just had somebody die 20 times. There's a special moment you're maybe going to have to care for them and shepherd them at that funeral home. And I think that's where some of these holidays should be seen. You're not supposed to make the holiday the centerpiece ever in a worship service. I would never encourage somebody to do that. But seize the opportunities. Be creative and thoughtful and even clever in a way to figure out how to reach and care for your people because these holidays are are setting off things going on in their souls that we need to be mindful of. So don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. I mean, keep make sure you don't... Uh, there is a balance to take place, but ultimately Jesus is to be worshiped and the words to be preached. Thank you. I'll ask you to pray in just a moment. I want to invite any listeners. Uh, we certainly didn't talk about every holiday in the year, uh, but if you have any questions that this has uh, you know, created in your mind about any of these holidays or other ones, uh, please send them to us. Uh, you can find our contact information at the website, practicalshepherding.com. Uh, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter, so please send us your questions or comments. So, Brian, would you uh, close us in prayer? I'll pray. Lord, give these pastors listening wisdom to know how to shepherd wisely their people and use these holidays as a way to look for those opportunities. But Lord, keep them from compromising any conviction that they would have to preach Jesus, to preach his word, to to feed your people every Sunday when we gather. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to Trench Talk. We'd love to hear your feedback or any questions you might have for us. So to get in touch with us, you can email us at brian at practicalshepherding.com or you can contact us through Facebook or Twitter. You can find out more about Practical Shepherding at our website, 
And at the website, you can find our blog, and you can also find information about articles and books that we've published. You can also find out information about our regional workshops, where we engage pastors face-to-face to equip them for the trench work of ministry. So until next time, may the God of peace, the great shepherd of the sheep, equip you as you labor in the trenches of pastoral ministry.